Welcome to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey, a podcast to encourage, educate, and equip you to care for children and youth through adoption, foster, and kinship care. Hosted by an adoptive mom with over 22 years of kinship and adoptive parenting experience, she's on this journey with you. Please welcome Sandra Flack. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. That, of course, is Psalm 68, verses 5 and 6. I'm Sandra Flack. Welcome to this episode of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast. I love those verses. Sometimes I need a reminder that God intentionally set our children into our family. He called us to care for them, and he will equip us for the journey. I'm excited to introduce you to our guest today. She's not only an adoptive mom, but the executive director of an organization equipping adoptive adoptive foster and kinship caregivers um, as well. But first, please check out one of the vital resources we have for you. Natalie Vecchione of the FASD Hope Podcast and Sandra Flack of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey Podcast would like to invite you to join their Hope for the FASD Journey, a virtual support community for parents and caregivers raising individuals with an FASD, diagnosed or not. This faith-based community includes an online bi-monthly support group, a monthly VIP conversation, and a private Facebook group which includes a video devotional from Natalie and Sandra every Saturday. To register, visit justicefororphansny.org forward slash training forward slash F-A-S-D. While this podcast is not solely F-A-S-D focused, Fetal alcohol spectrum disorder is a spectrum of disorders that affects a majority of kids in foster and adoptive placements. As a mom of two teens with fetal alcohol syndrome, I know how difficult and isolating this parenting journey can be, uh, but you're not alone. We've got a whole support community for you. And in addition to our online support group, I offer coaching uh, and for parents and caregivers, Uh, along with in-person and online FASD workshops. Speaking of, um, I have a free lunch and learn coming up on Wednesday, March 20th at 1 p.m. Eastern. Um, It's an introduction to FASD. It's an hour of uh, teaching, training, and um, some Q&A time at the end. Uh, And it's perfect for every foster and adoptive parent to take, whether your child Um, has a diagnosis or whether or not you are sure or aware that they may have been prenatally exposed to alcohol or other drugs. It's also a great training for grandparents and babysitters, adult siblings, youth group leaders, Sunday school teachers, school teachers, anyone interacting with your child. So to register for my FASD workshops, the coaching or the support group, you would go to our website, justicefororphansny.org. Click on the training tab at the top of the page and look for the drop down box that says FASD. And of course, we will include a link um, in the show notes to this episode. So you can scroll down to the show notes and find it there as well. And if you are in the North Carolina area, or if you can get there, 
Um, I will be leading an FASD workshop at the Renew Retreat on April 18th through 20th in Swansboro, North Carolina, near the beach. This is an amazing retreat for adoptive and foster parents. Um, it's organized by adoptive mom, Jody Tucker, a friend and colleague of mine. If you can get there, trust me, it is worth it. You can learn more at renewretreat.org, and there'll be a link in the show notes to that as well. So before we get to our guest, just a reminder, if you have not done so already, please subscribe or follow this podcast, leave a review, share it with your with your fellow adoptive and fostering friends so that they can find this as a resource as well. Um, and we're also now on YouTube. So if you want to watch your podcast, you can find us on the Justice for Orphans YouTube channel. Um, all of the podcast episodes are there in video form as well. So now to our guest. Kelly Henderson, a special educator by profession. Kelly is a former public school teacher of students with emotional and behavioral disorders and has worked in national and federal special education policy and research settings. Kelly's family is formed in part through foster care and adoption. Her teen and young adult children have a range of learning, behavioral, medical, and cognitive disabilities. Kelly has trained adoptive, foster, and kinship families and agency personnel on special education-related needs of children and has provided information and supports to many individual families. She serves on numerous advisory boards and committees. Um, she has a PhD in special education with the University of Maryland College Park and served as an executive branch policy fellow for the Society of Research and Child Development. In addition to her work, at Formed Families Forward, Kelly serves as part-time instructional faculty at George Mason University, training graduate students and special education teachers. Kelly believes that Formed Families must have information and advocacy tools to improve the delivery of appropriate services and to increase the academic, social, and behavioral outcomes for children and youth with special needs. Please welcome Kelly Henderson. Hey, Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Sandra. I'm so excited to have you on. I follow um, your organization, Form Families Forward, on uh, social media and love all of the posts you guys are doing and the amazing support that you're providing for adoptive and foster families. But you're also an adoptive parent, so I'd love to start the conversation by hearing more about that. Sure. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm really, really pleased to be here. And um, our journey started many years ago. Um, we, my husband and I uh, chose to start our family through foster care adoption and um, are here in the Northern Virginia area and worked, did, you know, the pride training that, that many foster families go through. And um, uh, we're just sort of waiting, 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 not sure how the, our path forward was going to, to, proceed. I am a special educator by training. So when we were asked about our openness to special needs and, and disabilities, we were pretty open on that. Um, and this one little kiddo um, sort of popped into everybody's um, consciousness. And uh, he, uh, our oldest, uh, who's now will be 26 next month, um, uh, came to, to be in our, in our world. And he um, was in a, a foster home at the time um, and with a lot of specialized needs, uh, failure to thrive. I think uh, he was 
eight months when we first learned of him and I think 13 pounds. Um, so really significantly um, behind um, growth wise and, and physical development um, had been in a lot of hospitals and his foster uh, first foster family um, uh, was trained to handle specialized medical issues and had spent a lot of time advocating in hospitals and actually moved him from one hospital to another where she felt he could get better care. Diagnostics were not well done. Um, and it turns out that he ended up, um, he, he does have uh, cystic fibrosis, which is a um, genetic uh, uh, condition that um, uh, some people say disease, but we, we, you know, it is a chronic illness and um, it has significant respiratory and digestive issues associated. So it explained a lot of why he was, was not able to um, thrive initially. Um, so we then um, became his foster family with the intent to adopt. Um, and about 13, 14 months later, uh, we did finalize adoption. Um, mm -hmm. But he was our first child, our first human child. And um, he um, taught us a lot. He has uh, grown up well um, and loved and um, also has faced uh, and continues to face a lot of um, mental health conditions and and very specialized um needs. Uh, so identified um, mental health conditions and um, uh, learning disabilities and ADHD and the whole uh, gamut bipolar disorder. And so he um, um, has had a long journey and that journey continues. We then um, expanded our family uh, through a birth, birth son, not much after um, our oldest joined us. And then uh, about five years later, we adopted through foster care, um, our youngest son, um, and he, uh, has intellectual disabilities and, um, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder amongst oh. other, I, other many diagnoses. So he is 20. So he is still, uh, we're in Virginia and our school system, um, will continue to serve him as a, as a person with, um, specialized needs um through his 20 when through the year he turns 22 which is wonderful um and it has been another journey as we have uh, navigated different types of specialized services uh for for him um so and we are fortunate to have all, all three of our sons in our home still today um and uh and have the the pleasure of getting to to support them and watch them and connect with them on our on a daily basis Wow. So the FASD, because I have two sons with, with an FASD as well. They're 18 and 20 um, and live home. So I can understand, you know, that fun part of the journey. And, um, but I love the fact that that is that on the Form Families Forward um, website, I was browsing around there and you guys offer lots of training, including training on FASD, which is not common to find everywhere. So how did you first did your son come with that diagnosis? Did you pursue a diagnosis? How did you learn about fetal alcohol spectrum disorders? Great question. And I know you you're you are doing a lot in the FASD world too. So thank you for that and connecting because uh, I think I've heard you make the point on other pod podcasts that it's about making those connections and finding those resources that are not widely available, that diagnostics are really hard. Um, we are not in a great um, area for strong diagnostics. Um, so it took us a long time to um, to get to that place. Again, there were other issues. He has intellectual disabilities. I think he carries a diagnosis of ADHD as well as autism. Um, 
uh, as well as some other, you know, behavioral, um, you know, types of, of diagnoses. Um, but <laughs> as he grew, so he, he joined our family at 14 months. So he did not have any, he did not have, um, uh, that diagnosis, obviously at that young mid age, um, there was suspicion that, um, there was use, but we do not have confirmed alcohol use by the birth mother. Um, uh, and, uh, though we, we are in touch with, uh, birth siblings that are adopted in other homes. Um, and so there was a little bit of similarity in trajectory. Um, so we were able to, to sort of put pieces together. And as he grew, um, particularly as he got to middle of, um, elementary years, it became really clear that a lot of his behaviors were very, um, similar to, uh, symptoms of, of FASD. So we, um, were able to find a provider and we do have, after visiting many, many, many providers who did not either know about or, um, uh, you know, we're sort of looking at the very basic facial features, the FAS sort of characteristics, which we did not have. Um, it took us a little while, and he does have a diagnosis of um, neurodevelopmental disorder, uh, pre-alcohol, prenatal alcohol exposure, so NDPAE for those in the in mm-hmm. the world, um, and that has helped a bit. Um, but I will tell you, there's still obviously, as you know, very little understanding, mm-hmm. very little professional knowledge outside of those sort of very um, uh, specialized, uh, clinicians. Um, so we still do a lot of educating of teachers. We do a lot of educating of, um, community providers. And to be honest, we just do a lot of supervision ourselves because mm-hmm. there's, um, uh, at 20, as you, I'm mm-hmm. sure experience with your older kiddos, um, there, there are expectations, um, uh, for behavior and their expectations for independence that just are not realistic. Um, so we say, this child, this adult child needs to be supervised. Um, and you know, he can't ride the bus, um, without somebody sort of with him and keeping an eye, he does not be sitting next to him, but we have, so we talk a lot about that range of what, what is, um, typical and then what's, what is, is, um, necessary. Yeah. Yeah. sounds very familiar. I can can (laughs) completely relate. And it is also so common, um, parents, Um, of kiddos with FASD have that whole alphabet soup of diagnoses. So you you mentioned that ADHD, like everybody gets that, it seems Um, a lot of autism, you know, a lot of diagnosis with autism. One of mine has the intellectual disability as well, which is what qualified him for so many services because the FAS at the FAS diagnosis didn't. Um, So it's definitely a journey where the parents are doing a lot of the work, trying to advocate and to um, educate everybody else out there. So it can be very, very draining and frustrating. And so that's why I love seeing that for form families has, has resources like that for parents. So that's one of the things I wanted to talk about next is because, um, you know, to let our listeners know, tell us about the organization form families forward. Yeah. So thanks for asking. Um, so we are a family led um, nonprofit organization. We've been around since 2011. So uh, celebrating our 13th year and really um, started as a group of moms um, that were formed through foster care and adoption. Uh, mm-hmm. And they have, you know, our our list of professional degrees and experiences was long and we were still and we're in a relatively well resourced area. I mean, we're outside Washington, D.C. We have, um, you know, 
lots and lots of um, uh, services and supports that are available to families, typically developing families and even special special needs families. Um, but we, <laughs> smart, educated women, um, could not get the services that we needed for our, our, our children, um, who at that time were, you know, upper elementary, middle school, heading into those fun adolescent years. And it was just, we were hitting the brick wall constantly um, of trying to get folks to understand these unique needs, um, the impact of trauma, the impact of um, of uh, our unique family family um, foundations. Um, and and we said, we got to do something. And so it was a, our founding, our founding members were an attorney and a nurse and I myself, again, a special educator and uh, and another attorney uh, who did like immigration law, and we, you know, tried to um, put our minds together and said, "What, what can we do to support families?" So we just started providing pro bono services. We would do trainings. Um, we had no funding. Um, uh, we'd go out do trainings. We'd do consultations. Sit down. I'm sure, like you do with lots of families, and just say, "Where are you? <laughs> you know, where, where do you want to go? And and how are we gonna? You know, what are some avenues to get there?" Started to compile like providers in the area who do know something about um, of foster care and adoption and kinship and trauma and FASD and all of those unique um, specialized needs and, and just sort of begin to network. Um, and then we were fortunate um, uh, a couple of years later to receive um, funding through a federal special education um, grant that's they're called community parent resource centers. And there's 25 of them across the, across the nation. Um, and uh, they're, they're sister centers to the Parent Training and Information Center Network that's also funded by the U.S. Department of Office of Special Education Programs. And there's at least one Parent Training Information Center in every state. Um, so if you don't know of them and you're struggling with special education, definitely reach out to the Parent Training Information Center in your state. If you're in a big state like California or New York, um, you may have multiple centers that you need to figure out which one covers your region. Um, and then these, these community parent resource centers are specialized centers that really focus on underserved population. Often that's a language-based population or an immigrant population. Um, in our case, obviously, it's foster, adoptive, and kinship. And we really made the case, again, even in a well-resourced area, that the needs of these um, very unique families were not being met um, and then really required um, a peer-led approach. So that's really what we where we land. We are families that have all of our staff, all of our board members um, raise children with special needs. Um, many are formed through foster care, adoption, and kinship care, and have walked many paths and continue to walk walk <laughs> those paths. Um, but we really, really feel strongly that training, um, peer support groups, um, consultations, again, we'll sit down with the family um, and really work through where they are, where they want to go, what systems are working for them, what systems aren't working for them. Um, how how to navigate those those paths forward. And again, we know needs change. So we may see them and talk to them, you know, when the child is in sixth grade and two years later, there's a whole other different set of needs and um, challenges that we, we may problem solve. Um, so we do a lot of training. We do a lot of peer support, uh, peer support groups. We have youth and young adult peer support groups and parent and caregiver support groups um, with some specialized funding from one of our jurisdictions, we're able to do just a kinship focused um, support group, which is really meaningful to them because those are very unique and specialized needs and the, the circumstances that brought them to kinship care are often very challenging. So they really value that opportunity to come into community. Um, 
we do classes. We'll do classes for youth. We'll do classes for parents, um, positive parenting, um, challenging, you know, helping with challenging behaviors, trauma-informed parenting. Um, and we work pretty closely with our school systems and our departments of social services. So we'll train foster parents um, who are you know, sort of in the trenches of, of parenting. Um, and they'll tell, you know, the agency says, we, well, you know, we're hearing a lot about this autism thing. Um, can you come and t- t- tell us about that? So we'll, you know, do specialized trainings on different um, different topics. Uh, so that's really the core of what we do. We have a couple big events each year where we actually bring families in, in person together and, and have that in direct community. But a lot of it is um, just day in, day out, supporting families. Yeah, I love that because we need that support, right? Um, I'm curious about your FASD training because I'm like I said, I, I know you offer that. I loved seeing that and finding that on your website. So tell us a little bit about that. What kind of training, um, you know, how do you support families who have kiddos with FASD? Yeah. So again, a lot of that falls in that navigation, I think, is like because we're sort of in a a bit of a desert here in Virginia uh, yeah. with our FASD um, services and sorts. It's it's helping families recognize that that might be something that they're um, a, that they're, that's in their lives. Um, mm-hmm. and then saying, what would, where might you go to have that confirmed? Um, so diagnostics yeah. is a big challenge. I'll tell, uh, mm-hmm. be really honest. Um, um, and trying to think about more broadly, how we, can we build that capacity, um, in our, in our state. And so we have actually started a, a group of, of within the state, some, some FASD connected professionals and parents and saying, what do we need to do to change change the the tide a bit here in in our state. Um, so that's going on. But we do a lot of trainings. They're really one-off trainings. They're not, um, you know, we 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 will guide people to the facets training um, or other resources. Um, we are an affiliate of FASD United. Um, Great. Uh, and so certainly can refer to those resources. Um, uh, but we do every winter a series of webinars bringing in uh, folks that have, especially we had uh, a series, I think, that you may have uh, joined us for some of those. Uh, uh, and this last series talked certainly about an introduction. We often start with an introduction. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and then other topics in that series included um, evidence-based interventions in education, um, which is really important, um, mm-hmm. hard to find and hard to secure, but the, the, yeah. the research is there. We're beginning to learn a lot of things that are effective. Um, we had a, a session on um, uh, dealing with law enforcement. And I know that's been a topic on on yours as well, the the forensic uh, uh, folks. So um, we listen to what families are saying they need, and we just try to meet that need. And all of our webinars are recorded, so they can always be available, you know, found uh, free of charge anytime on demand. We do have some online courses as well. Um, We call it Learning Your Way, and again, open to anybody. Um, uh, You just register. There's a variety of online modules. They're a little bit interactive, some little quizzes and some activities. And um, we have a whole bunch of topics. And one of those topics is fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. So folks can go um, get that again, self-paced. So you can do it, you know, as, as, as you see fit. Um, There are certificates of of completion um, offered to that. So some foster families really like that because they can get some training um, again on their schedule and submit those hours. So you are based in Virginia, but is is all are are all of these resources available to anybody in this in across the country? Does, or do they have to be Virginia residents? 
No, no, no. You can access our anything we're doing. We're open to any any training we're doing is open to pretty much anybody. Obviously, our events are a little bit more um, uh, localized, and we do in our events um, really focus on foster, adoptive, and kinship, sort of as our core audience. Mm-hmm. But our t- webinars, our classes, um, uh, most of our support groups are open to a wider audience. That's wonderful to know. And I, I love how you describe, um, not that it's a great thing, but you describe the desert, right? So so there's also a desert of, of for that in, in New York State where I am based because there's only, there's a diagnostic clinic out in Rochester, the University of Rochester, the amazing Dr. Christy Petrenko. Yes, and yes. then down in, in New York City, there's a, there, there is a specialist who I believe Dr. Waite is going to be retiring. So there's nothing anywhere else in the state. And, you know, I have, I, and I'm in the capital Albany area of New York state and we need a clinic here, a diagnostic clinic here, because so many families that I, that connect with me and then they're going out to try to get diagnoses for their kids. Um, it's nobody wants to diagnose FASD. They just all want to diagnose ADHD and autism. And like, it's not even like, that's not even accurate, but that's all that anybody seems to want to do. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So, so frustrating and draining for parents, but I, so I, I feel like, you know, probably New York and Virginia are probably similar in those, <laughs> in those yeah. areas. So, so, um, you know, I, I love the fact that I love all of the training and all the support you're providing for foster adoptive and kinship. Cause that's, that's so uh, important. I find with kinship caregivers, um, cause that's how we started. We, our first placement was through kinship. We have three oh, biological wow. kids. And then we took a relative child in, knew nothing about trauma, knew nothing about FASD, nor would have even thought we needed to because like, you know, I think her mom drank maybe socially until she found out she was pregnant, um, but didn't, was told she couldn't get pregnant. So she was, you know, pretty far along before she knew she was pregnant. So now what I know about FASD, she, you know, our, our daughter, who's now 33, checks all of the boxes for primary mm-hmm. symptoms of FASD, mm-hmm. right? And also had the trauma and we knew nothing about any of that. Eventually we did learn after we, we adopted a sibling set of four internationally. And then it was like, oh yeah, just trauma thing. You know, we need that training. <laughs> so we got, you know, the TBRI training. And then, um, but when our, by the time our boys became teenagers is when we realized though they had diagno- been diagnosed with the FAS, at six and eight, by the time they were teenagers, it was like, we need to know more about this because we thought we had a handle on, you know, the connected parenting, we have attachment, you know, it's hard, but it's, we're, we're making it, it's okay. But then they reach that adolescent stage and the train comes off the tracks, right? It's like, it becomes much harder and clearly yeah. that there's something more going on. And that's when I took my deep dive into FASD and I ended up becoming a facilitator of the facets model because oh, good. that's, yeah, that's what helped us with our kids. But then the more I learned, the more I just became passionate about every adoptive and foster and kinship caregiver needs to understand this because most likely they're dealing with it and they don't know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that the, the journey becomes very, very difficult. So um, I appreciate all of the training and support that Form Families Forward is offering to families. Um, and I love the fact that they can access it online from anywhere. You don't have to be in Virginia. Um, do, what's your website so our listeners can find sure. you? Uh, formedfamiliesforward.org. So for, well, you see there on the screen, uh, formed, F-O-R-M-E-D, families, plural, forward.org. And we do yeah, have we'll some put social a, media handles as well. Yeah, the so, social media is great. I follow you guys on Instagram. 
Um, and we'll make sure we put a link in the show notes to form families forward. So our, our listeners can easily find um, to find, find you guys that way and, and access some of that great training. Um, anything else you want to share about form families forward that we didn't talk about? So I will just say like, Obviously, FASD is a big part of what we do, but we also work with any family who um, suspects that their child has a disability or should be getting specialized services. And that system alone is very difficult to navigate. It's very localized, even though there's a federal and state mandates regarding the delivery of special education and related services to children with disabilities. We find that often foster, adoptive, and kinship families are dismissed um, uh, Mm -hmm. routinely because there's been so much trauma, there's been so much transition in the lives of their children that often, and again, well-intentioned perhaps, um, school uh, clinicians, and I I was a teacher, I I work, um, I still do a lot of professional development with teachers, um, very well-intentioned that they don't want to label a child um, or sort of, um, you know, jump to conclusions about a child without having, giving them a chance. Um, But in that giving them the chance, we often find that a lot of needs are not being met and and families who are raising these children often have a pretty good sense (laughs) that something may need more specialized services. So um, one of the things we do um, on a regular basis is really help um, families navigate that system, understand that system and use that system in a way that's going to get hopefully the uh, result in, in the specialized services and special education, um, instructional supports, accommodations, modifications um, that that child is going to need to be successful um, academically and socially and emotionally in school, um, because that's so critical. I mean, so much of their mm. of children's lives are, is, is school. Um, and we want them to be able to access the services that they deserve and that they need. Um, we also, again, work with professionals to to help them understand the needs of foster, adoptive, and kinship families, um, understand the impact of trauma, why that what that might look like in the classroom. Um, so again, uh, wherever wherever folks are hearing this, there is a parent training and information center in your state for sure. There may be um, other specialized services, um, but that's that's a lot of what we do is recognizing that there's just such a disproportionate representation of of children with disabilities amongst our foster, adoptive, and kinship families. We know that those rates are really high. There's also a high rate of um, missed diagnosis or under diagnoses, just like in FASD. And so it's really important that families have the tools, that they're empowered with the tools to um, advocate for the best possible education services and supports for their children. Yeah. And that's such, it's such a struggle um, because we do often find that we have to, we feel like we have to educate the educators. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whether it's FASD or trauma or whatever it might be. um, So Kelly, what would be, what advice would you be able to give to parents and caregivers who may be struggling or maybe feeling frustrated with their school and, and they feel like their kiddo is not getting the services and supports they need at school. You know, what are some things that we can do? Cause we, we want to build, I mean, I was always very intentional of having a good relationship with the school and I built that relationship. And some of my kids, we've, we've had to homeschool some of them. Then they went into school and we've done a hybrid where our, 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 our son, our youngest son, who's now 18, he does a combination of homeschool and in school and we're that's slowly awesome. gradually, yeah, gradually. And that's not, and I always, when I talk about it, I always tell parents that whole thing varies by state and even by school district. And, but over the years, I've built a good relationship with our school district. So when I have, we have an IEP meeting, they ask me what we need, which yeah. is not typically the norm, but I feel like you have to be um, respectful 
and uh, you know i'm always speaking in terms of as if they as if they know fasd but at the same time i'm sort of like training them like you know if there's an issue with my son i'll say well yep that's a primary symptom of fasd and this is probably why that was going on and let's look at the environment he wasn't well supported so you know kind of just educating them as i go so but what would you say how should parents navigate that system yeah so i think two things um relying on your peers you know finding those parent communities those family communities those folks even within the school system that they may be family liaisons they may be um special education case managers or social workers that you know are there to hopefully make that bridge a little easier um to understanding the supports and services you know what what um what avenues exist for those um so uh talk to your peers talk to folks that are you know really dedicated to serving and supporting kids and families with specialized needs um uh, knowing that you may have to do a little education as you describe along the way. Um, the other thing I think is just, you know, assuming good intent, um, whether because it, it is it is very <laughs> um, we we hit a lot of balls. Right. We we know that, yeah. that, that the, the, there's a rocky road and there's a lot of barriers and it's uh, it's very tempting at times to sort of do that finger pointing. Like if you just did this and if you mm -hmm. um, and while that may sue their soul <laughs> temporarily. I mean, even when we get together with other families with special needs, you know, you're, that's very tempting to sort of like start bad mouthing and running down the system. It's not particularly helpful and it isn't, is not right. certainly going to serve your, your child um, uh, well. So I think assuming good intent, sharing information, um, uh, uh, coming into community and collaboration with good, good intent. Yeah. Now, there are times that that's not going to be enough. And we know that there are rights and responsibilities that you can exercise. Um, and that's where, you know, uh, family mm -hmm. orgs can be helpful and sort of talking about those things and those paths forward. Um, but where possible, you know, assume good intent, start with that strength-based lens. What does little Joey do really well? Let's really talk about what we all admire about Joey and all of the things that, that he brings to our school, to our community, to our family. Um, and start there and then um, begin to work, hopefully, in collaboration um, to problem solve. It's, it's not an easy road, but I think peers can be really helpful. And then just having that that broad, um, resisting that, 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 that urge sometimes to blame and shame and point fingers and really try to join in collaboration, knowing that that's not always going to be perfect, uh, but it's certainly more efficient and more effective, I think, in the long run than... than um, than going to your own corners. Yeah, no, that's great. We have to build our team and yeah. we all want to be on the same team to support our kiddos. So that's great advice. Um, so we could talk all day about this this stuff, I know, Kelly, but um, getting close to wrapping up, I, um, primarily our listeners are adoptive, foster, and kinship caregivers. So would you share some words of encouragement for us today? Sure. I mean, I think... Um, Playing the long game is is the the best words of encouragement I have because, um, uh, you know, the days are long, but the journey is short. Somebody told me that when my kids were little, and I was just like chasing them around a shopping mall. Some nice nice parent stopped and told me that, and that has really come to be true. Like the days are tough. Like it's really really tough in the moment. Um, we were having a huge knockdown drag out battle over over a shirt yesterday with our 20 year old. And I was like, oh, 
not believe we're not making more progress. Like I, we've been over this. We've done all the things that we know we're supposed to do. We have the structure we've done. Um, we, you know, we're, we're thinking brain first. We're thinking trauma informed, and we just aren't making progress. Um, and you feel so frustrated. And then this morning he woke up and he's like, "I am, I am going to have a good day. Look, I am taking this dirty shirt off and putting it in the laundry basket." And Yay! I said, "That's great." And you're doing this. So I think that's the word of it. Like. Try not to dwell too much on those those little um, the challenges and and really play for the long the long haul. Like you are mm-hmm. making progress. There's a lot of back steps, but but ultimately um, uh, you're moving forward. And I think that's that's key. And hopefully you're doing that in in community and you're doing it in connection with others who care for your children and understand the needs um, and the the challenges that you face. Yeah, community is so important because it's. It's a journey. It's a parenting journey, unlike any other. And unless you are a parent and of and raising kids with trauma, with prenatal exposure, right? Other families don't get get it. Other people don't get it. So we need to have our community. In, in Absolutely. Um, yeah, for sure. So Kelly, thank you. I'm so thrilled. Um, love everything that you guys at Form Families Forward are doing. Um, love your presence on social media and the support that you're providing for families. So thank you so much. Oh, um, thank again, you. Now yeah. I know who to send people in New York to. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and I'm, oh, I do. I I do a lot of training online as well. So, oh, perfect. Um, you know, yeah. So, um, super excited to do that. Honored to do that. Passionate to do that. Um, and and love what you guys are doing. And and um, we'll have the show notes, your links to your website in the show Wonderful. notes. Appreciate um, that. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for being with us today. Sure. Take care. Uh, what a great conversation. I love hearing what's going on around the country. Um, organizations that are supporting and uh, providing those supports and resources for families on this journey with kiddos with trauma, um, and especially with kiddos with FASD. So um, I hope that you were encouraged by my conversation with Kelly Henderson today. Um, again, we will have the sh- in the show notes, the link to formedfamiliesforward.org. Um, and they have lots of resources um, that you can check out on their website. Um, in, in addition to encouraging you, um, we're here to equip you as well um, as a mom of two teens with FAS um, and a facilitator of the FACETS neurobehavioral model. I know how challenging the journey can be, and I want to support as many families as I can as well. Um, make sure that you check out my article um, that I was able to write for Focus on the Family last year. Uh, it in- includes some video modules, um, and it's a pretty in-depth article on FASD. You can actually find that on my personal website, which is sandraflack.com. Uh, I blog there as well. I just dropped a new um, a new blog post. So you can check that out again in the show notes if you want to find my website um, and all of our training for FASD and, and the support group and the coaching and all of that um, on our justicefororphansny.org website. So be sure to scroll down to those show notes so that you can find those and, and, and do a little research there. Um, and if, uh, again, please subscribe, leave a review, share about this podcast with your fellow adoptive and fostering friends. Find us on social media. Justice for Orphans is on both Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Um, you'll find me, Sandra Flack, on all of those platforms as well. I'm grateful to have you along for the journey today. I'll see you right here next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast, brought to you by Justice for Orphans. We hope you were encouraged today. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. 
and share it with your fellow foster and adoptive parent friends so they can be encouraged too. Be sure to find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Justice for Orphans. And check out our website for vital resources at justicefororphansny.org.